1: Filmography is back, and just in time for Halloween season, we're taking a deep dive into the master of horror, John Carpenter. Starting September 27th, host Dominic Suzanne Mayer and a rotating panel of guests will break down each of Carpenter's 20 feature-length movies to date with new episodes every Thursday. Grab your synthesizer, your flares, and your best Shatner mask, and come along on this latest journey with us.
2: Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to State of the Empire, Consequence of Sound's Star Wars speculation podcast where we look for news in Alderaan places. Hi, I'm Cap. Hi, I'm Matt. And this episode kicks off our coverage of Star Wars Resistance, the latest chapter in the long legacy of Star Wars animated cartoons, beginning with Dave Filoni's run on Clone Wars because we're I mean, hey, droids and Ewoks, they're they're valid, but they're not um they're not canon. <laughs> so
0: I think that might be the uh, kindest of the criticisms that you can levy on <laughs> droids and Ewoks.
2: <laughs> all throughout our prior many years of episodes, we've discussed the happenings ha- happening inside of Rebels, all the massive title shifts and continuity expansions and in incredible ways that that animated series meant for children actually pushed the new era of Star Wars in bigger, badder, better ways than any of the films so far have.
0: Yeah, which is asking a lot for resistance because uh, we don't have much world building at all. So there's not a lot to like, uh, you know, not, not a lot of foundation for it. Well, so yes. It's kind of out there on its own, which is cool.
2: If you're coming into this blind, we should establish where resistance takes place. Mm -hmm. Star Wars Rebels took place between Episode 3 and A New Hope. Star Wars Resistance takes place between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens.
0: And much more cheated up against Force Awakens than Return of the Jedi.
2: Yeah, six months. Crazy. So they clearly have intentions of this series having plot threads that run tandem to the events of The Force Awakens. That is baked into the agenda of this show. They might not be outright saying it right now, but that's exactly what this means.
0: I would venture to say that we could get to Force Awakens by the end of the first or second season and then go past it. And which, you know, kind of automatically qualifies the idea of going past Last Jedi since Oh that my dear immediately after.
2: Naive Matt, I think it's the <laughs> mid-season break, my
0: friend. Wow, you think that close. I do. Cool well, cool. I'm I'm eager to dive into into how how you see it shape, you know
2: out. This show has characters that you know from the new era of Star Wars. It has Poe Dameron in it because Oscar Isaac is indeed Poe Dameron as always in his day-to-day life as well (laughs) and we'll get into the plot momentarily. Let me just say this at the top. If you're concerned about spoilers, have no fear. This is a spoiler-free discussion. We're going to discuss the first two episodes back-to-back there. It's a two-parter. It's an hour-long premiere. The title is The Recruit and it sets the stage for everything. So, honestly, there's not even much to spoil. We could talk about it in great detail, and it still wouldn't tell you much of anything. The plot is all establishment. It's setting the base for the, for how this show begins, and if you've uh, watched any of the featurettes about the series or any any trailers, you, you already know kind of everything you need to know. What you need to know is, is it good? And that we might be able to offer some perspective on.
0: Yeah, certainly. Some good, some bad. You know, we'll kind of get into both. There's a... Uh... Like you said, it, this is just an establishment hour. Like, I feel like I didn't learn anything new. I guess that's the first thing. The first realization I had is that I didn't, by the time the hour was over, I didn't know anything different than I knew going in.
2: But you do know the characters, so therefore, you are, are given all the establishment you need to go forward. And then next week, There'll be another episode and another episode after that. And for each episode, we are going to be doing an episode of State of the Empire. We're still going to be doing our Willow Watch specials. And yeah, we're still going to be doing our Star Wars news shows. This is not a Star Wars news show. This is just Star Wars Resistance. There's plenty to say about Star Wars news. <laughs> there is there's <laughs> quite a bit. New things coming out of the... Uh, production of episode 9, there's been some interesting leaks, um, new stuff to do with Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, the forthcoming theme park attraction, world land thing, plenty of interesting stuff, and we'll be covering that in a forthcoming episode, so, you know, stay tuned, but my goal with these episodes are for, if you're following along with the show, you can easily find out what we think about them, we can establish a dialogue about the show, so while there's other Star Wars stuff to be covered, Resistance won't necessarily make up a huge footprint within the body of regular State of the Empire episodes. And also, if you're not following along with the show, you know, and you're not interested, but you want to know what's happening, you want to get a better sense of if you should follow along and if any of the things we talk about might seduce you to the Resistance side of things, well, maybe this will be a platform for that. We'll find out. Resistance, at its core, is a show about a young amateur spy working for the Resistance on a platform out in a remote quadrant where a lot of races happen. Poe Dameron knows that there's a spy out here somewhere, and he needs Kazuta Ziono to find out who this person is.
0: Pretty uh, succinct. <laughs> um, I was expecting that to be a little more, I don't know, organic or fleshed out, but they really kind of <laughs> <laughs> dropped us into that, which, um, I mean, could be a good thing. I, I think if any of the the listeners have have played X-Wing Alliance, something about this show heavily reminds me of that.
2: Oh, can I say something really good right here? Yeah. You know, George Lucas loves racing stuff. The pod race sequence in episode one, it had its charm. It went on a bit too long, but um, Mm. there is a racing component of Star Wars. It's been embedded in there via George's vision and his interests. I have never seen anything in Star Wars that was this cool when it comes to races. It's like watching a master cut of a video game, but it's also exciting even though you're not playing it.
0: I completely agree. I think that was honestly the best aspect of this hour. The racing sequence in particular in the second episode, but in the space combat also in the in the opening that they've actually posted online at the Star Wars YouTube page. The visual audio component is so well done. I mean, it, it, it's on a level that honestly, I, w- I was more captivated by this than any of the battle sequences in like Last Jedi or... Or even Rogue One. And Rogue One has great battle sequences. Yes.
2: This is a new high watermark for a core component of Star Wars right off the bat. Yep. I mean, I've never seen anything like it in this franchise. And I've seldom seen anything that was as compelling. Mm-hmm. They, I don't know who they got to direct these sequences. But whoever they are, it's incredibly well done.
0: Yep. I, I, I went back and uh, watched... Everything action wise a second time almost immediately on a better uh, sound system because it was just such a visceral, amazing experience that I really hope continues throughout the series because that that alone could propel this series into being very well regarded among the, the fan base, I think.
2: And, and if there's a video game tie in and there certainly must be. I can't wait to play it. It better not be a mobile game because I'm not. I I I I don't want that. I want I want a new Star Wars console racing game of this right
0: now. I want this to be the sequel to Episode One Racer, like the proper <laughs> sequel. Don't talk to me about Racer Revenge. Um, and yeah, unfortunately, it probably will be a mobile game because EA is not going to pour that.
2: That's the audience, yeah. But oh my, I mean, and even if even if it doesn't, though, the excitement of watching these sequences. Is absolutely stunning. And I was, you know, I was a, I was a pretty harsh critic of some aspects of this when it first debuted in the in trailer form because the location it takes place in, this barge on a water planet, animation-wise, they've saved money and they've cut corners. It takes place in a big blue expanse. There's nothing cheaper than an expanse of nothingness, and they designed <laughs> it into the show. But you know what? With those savings, they bought themselves a surprising amount of background character animations and uh, some really... I thought the animation was going to be crap based on the mouth flaps of the trailers, but it actually looks great.
0: Yeah, I think they do a little uh, too much with uh, lighting and shadows. Like, it's very um, jarring because I feel like there's only two. There's like, you know, either the switch is on or the switch is off. And they're constantly doing it on every character as they move in and out of like a light source. And I feel like it's because they're very proud of what they're doing. And I know that's a big aspect of this style of animation But I felt like it was just sometimes it was distracting, and I found myself coming out of scenes just because I was paying attention to that. But that's probably only because I was in a review headspace, (laughs) and I was probably just looking for things. So I don't know if it's noticeable, if I'm just there to enjoy it. Yeah,
2: I think it's just growing pains. You're getting used to it, and Mm -hmm. they're going to improve, just as they improved with Rebels.
0: Oh, yeah, 100%.
2: Speaking of, you know, Star Wars Rebels, an amazing show, but the debut episodes weren't very tight. They were clunky at best. There was some dialogue that was really bad, genuinely Mm -hmm. bad. And this show isn't perfect, but it's a hell of a lot better than Debut of Rebels, actually.
0: I agree with you. Once we reach our primary planet, I found the very beginning, some of the exposition in the middle of action sequences was just dragging and infuriating at times to me. You're right.
2: That was rough.
0: you know, I was, I was waiting for someone to jump in with Cut the Chatter because you're giving me entire paragraphs in the middle of combat. <laughs> but, you know, hopefully that's growing pains. Also, I, I wondered at, at on one hand, is this because of the targeted demographic? Usually that it, it seemed very reminiscent of a younger ages show to be paced that way. And then on the other hand, I wonder if it's just you know, I, I remember back to Rebels, and certainly I remember back to the Clone Wars movie. I actually think Clone Wars started out stronger than people like to remember, like the show on TV. I actually think the the, the premiere two-parter for Clone Wars is so much better than the movie. That might be what it was. <laughs> it, was it was so much better than the movie. Yeah, they did not put um, their best
2: foot forward there at all. No.
0: If If we count the Clone Wars movie as its premiere, which is a fair enough thing, then I'd have to say there's a track record for them starting out awkwardly and then getting better and certainly over this two part I could tell just in part two how much better it was than part one
2: yeah I'm genuinely excited to see what transpires these characters and I know it's going to be a little bit middling and I know there's going to be some ham-fisted lessons involved because this is not not a show for adults but I think it will evolve into an all-ages show just as Dave Filoni's programs all inevitably do That said, this is a note that I only found out recently, Filoni is not working directly on Resistance in a day-to-day capacity like his previous projects because he's working on the, uh, the Clone Wars finale that was recently announced. So he's providing direction, he's providing notes, he's being George Lucas as George Lucas was to the Clone Wars, Dave is being to Resistance. Will he come on full-time once Clone Wars is done, or is there another project that he's doing? I'm not sure, but...
0: Uh... Yeah, that's uh, that'd be interesting. I, I guess that just means a lot less wolves. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think there's going to be times where we're going to miss the hand of of Dave Filoni, but, you know, it's it certainly... You know, we couldn't expect it to always be like that, and it's it's always great to have new voices and sure. see what new people can do. And,
2: and his run on Rebels helps strengthen his team. He has a bunch of good people backing him up. People whose names I don't know off the top of my head but I'm certain I will eventually. Mhm. So our our characters, our characters. With the main character Kazuta Ziono is a is a teen and he's a fighter pilot doing some official work I guess for the Senate or like whatever. What what's the republic called now? Is it just the Republic? I forget.
0: The New Republic. Okay.
2: So he he's doing some work for them and uh ends up on a mission where a first order dude in like crimson tie fighter is picking off his squad, and Poe Dameron swoops in, and the two of them manage to save the day and get some critical information back to the Resistance. And this kid's starstruck because he's heard legends about the great pilot Poe Dameron. He's heard great things about the Resistance, and his dad is actually a senator and does not approve of Leia Organa's Resistance. So that's an interesting component. And Kaz, through a kind of hasty series of events, manages to get himself recruited and says uh see you later dad i don't like your attitude
0: it's a kind of a classic (laughs) i feel story but also it was done very just matter of factly and i I guess that's what i didn't like about the first episode i felt like uh, things that would normally gestate a little longer uh just kind of happen to set us up where they actually want to be which is why i think i would have preferred if the show started in some capacity of where the second episode takes us if that makes sense yeah
2: it it would have been there's a good argument to be made for uh start in the present and then go to the past and then meet up back with the present by the end of it which is done more often than not these days but it works so maybe that would have been a better idea but hey in the end it's fine it's totally fine (laughs) Hmm. The, the most important part is that sooner rather than later we do get Ho-Dameron dragging Kaz to the planet Castellan and the Colossus fueling station. As I said, a big expanse of water. <laughs> Maybe someday we'll see what's underneath it. That could be fun, but uh, but for now, nope, it's just a bunch of cost-saving techniques. But, like I said, this this station is full of aliens. There's more going on in the background of these sequences than any scene of Rebels I could name off the top of my head.
0: Yep. That was a, a actually a very pleasant surprise, because we've talked about it on this show, that the kind of 3D aspect of, of Rebels hurts the chances of kind of filling in the world with background. And uh, I was surprised to see that wasn't the case with this uh, station.
2: Yeah. So we lost world background, but gained world creatures. Yes. I'll take it.
0: Yeah. some A great mix of, of like prequel era aliens and original trilogy and some sequel trilogy in there. I think it was, I, I saw even a female Uncar Plut alien.
2: Right. The, uh, the, um, bartender.
0: Yes. That's yeah, right. and she was Very great. One of my favorite character.
2: characters. Yep. Or as Diego Luna would say, great character. <laughs> Jim Rash and Bobby Moynihan's duo characters who run the um, so the supply component of this depot. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I love them. I want more.
0: Oh, fantastic! I uh, that the second episode of this hour genuinely made me laugh out loud like five, six times. Like there's some good humor in this in the show.
2: And a wealth of characters, the main character team, uh, because this is, this is at its core, for the time being, a racing show, is Team Fireball. Kaz gets a reputation because he runs his mouth as the, uh, the, the best flyer in the galaxy, and uh, he is paired with this uh, old dude named Yeager, who's a rebellion pilot that keeps getting drugged back into things by Poe, doesn't want any part of this, but uh, just kind of reluctantly agrees to it. Tam, a racer who lost her ship, who's the uh, mechanic and does not like how Kaz has just kind of barged into her life and is getting everything he wants, sort of. And uh, Niku, who's one of the Nikto race, and uh, he is uh, voiced by Josh Brenner. He's very plucky, and he takes things far too literally. I don't know if I like him or not, but...
0: I, I, I really did not like his character. I, I, I thought it was a very... Uh, he's involved with a what I thought was a very funny gag in the premiere, but then the gag seems to go way too far <laughs> it becomes a big focus of uh, I don't know of character motivations well, for, for both Kaz and Niku well, and let's just, just let's just
2: say what it is because it's not yeah. it's not that big a deal. Niku is who Kaz runs his mouth to about being the, the greatest pilot in the galaxy and within mm-hmm. the expanse of Kaz and Yeager and Poe walking into a bar somehow in a montage, I don't know how these things align. <laughs> Niku has managed to disseminate this information to literally everybody in the entire rig so that by the time they walk from the landing pad to a bar, everyone knows who he is already.
0: And I enjoyed the gag. The gag is funny if it was just a gag, but it becomes Niku's whole character Like, because then when, when Niku finds out he's not the best, he's upset. And I'm like, wait, why is this still going on? Like, that was a funny thing to get Kaz in a weird situation, but I don't know why (laughs) that is still a character point. It's (laughs) because it
2: it turns into a learning moment in this children's program. That's why. That's why. (laughs) Yeah. Which is weird because that didn't really happen too often in Rebels, and I'm pretty sure it's not going to persist in this program either, but... It's here all the same. Is it for executives? Is it was it workshop? Who knows. I don't know. It, but it did it did go on too long. It it was surprisingly way more relevant than it deserved. I don't know. <laughs> I thought
0: it was a great way to get him to get Kaz involved in the racing scene. Yes. I thought it was great. Yeah. But then it just I how it still Stayed with the characters as like a driving force. Like I, I don't know. It was very strange and really threw off what I thought was a very good second episode. I
2: mean, honestly, if that component wasn't there, the show would be a significant percent greater than it actually was, than it actually yeah. is.
0: <laughs> Agreed.
2: Then we've all we've got the, the the rival team, the Aces. They're hired to protect the base, but they race for fun when there's no trouble. They're reluctant resistance members, uh, all very visually distinct. Their droids included in this. Mm-hmm. These guys rule. We haven't seen much of them so far, but there's been some preview videos released detailing more information on them. Everything that we've learned so far about these characters are very exciting and literally there's a moment in this where they're debuting the concept of the Aces and it's literally a character select screen for a video game. I mean, it yep. couldn't it couldn't be more transparent if it wanted to be.
0: <laughs> I I want this to be a video game so bad. I want to play this so bad. I want I want it I want it to be a VR game. Anyway, that's a way to guarantee that a yes. console game is like. Please let me fly one or all of these racers in VR, with that sound design and and just that intensity of racing. Oh my please.
2: god! Update Star Wars Battle Pod. Oh, Can you that imagine? Would be great. <laughs> so here's the roster. And seriously, we can't stress enough. This whole it's like a video game thing. It's not cheap. It's awesome. It's so well mm-hmm. done. There's a character named Bo Keevil. That's the evil Knievel kind of thing. He sort of looks like maybe like a uh, Plo Kloon, maybe.
0: Yeah, I believe he. I believe he's a Keldor, just like Plo Koon.
2: He crashes a lot. He's always pushing it. Everybody loves him, but he's very accident prone. He has a BB-8 unit with a tread or a BB unit. I don't exactly, or maybe it's not a BB unit. Maybe it's something like before that. I'm not sure. But this thing, it's like BB-8 with a tread on it, like a tire, which is pretty neat. There's Griff Halorin who's an ex-Imperial pilot. He's got Imperial tats on his bicep uh, and a ship that looks like a hybrid between a TIE fighter and a Jedi starfighter.
0: Yeah, it's it's a pretty cool ship. I think it might be my favorite of the aces. Yeah.
2: (laughs) I don't know know how he feels about the Imperials. I assume he still feels pretty good about them, so I'm not too keen on rooting for him per se, but an intriguing character at the very least with a dope ship, and he's motivated by uh, looking for a last great battle.
0: It'll be interesting to see what Griff's opinion of the First Order is, because I'm sure that will come up. Like, maybe maybe Griff finds the First Order to be, like, a joke of a version of the Empire and isn't into it.
2: Maybe he can maybe. say all the things that we say about the First Order.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Hype Faison is a Rodian played by Donald Faison, created just for him by Dave Filoni, he, <laughs> which is strange. <laughs> But cool, I guess.
0: And 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 one of the few personalities that I think can get away with having a character that is just blatantly, oh, we're just changing your first name into a cool first name because a lot of people think you're cool.
2: <laughs> yeah, and he's the best pilot, and he knows it. He's the num- a number one celebrity on the rig. He has a lot of sponsors, uh, but cares about his fellow racers. There's a uh, an Aryan woman named Freya Fenris who's competitive and hyperlogical. She just looks like an ice queen type. We know very little about her, other than that she seems tough. She could potentially be very cool, but that's TBD. And the character we get to know best in these first two episodes is Tora Doza. She's a cute young girl. She's got an aqua and red ship that looks amazing. She's the daughter of Captain Doza, who's the major figure of the Colossus. And she becomes friends with Kaz and as a character is just this kind of like bubbly friendship oriented person. She's a very good pilot. Few have survived racing against her or none, I guess. And, uh, you know, she comes to Kaz and be like, hi, it's nice to meet you. Uh, I hope you don't die, Um, but I'm going to win. So later.
0: Yeah, they they do a great job um, sort of portraying a competitiveness behind the genuine politeness that I found very amusing. Like I actually really liked the character. I think a lot of people initially, I remember a lot of reactions to the meet the aces video that the star Wars YouTube page put out. And that character was generally kind of the one that people sort of honed in on, of course. And I thought her debut was terrific
2: yeah you know dave has a good track record with this you know i thought sabine was gonna was gonna drive me up the wall being like a cool artist mandalorian i was like please Uh come on don't pander to me and i love her i love her so much
0: yep yep (laughs) definitely leaning into the way that they're marketed but at the same time sort of like i don't know i hate to use that word subversion but like (laughs) subverting well
2: it I is guess. i mean torah should be a manic pixie dream girl of like the lowest order or the highest order i don't know basically she should be very annoying and she's especially, not
0: especially especially with all of the uh marketing of the resistance is anime inspired and you start to go oh boy this is gonna fall into an annoying stereotype and at least the f- first episode really just didn't i thought she was great yeah
2: they stuck the landing with her it's pretty wonderful so there's a couple other things I should mention, which is one, Adam Driver is expected to show up. At some, well, he's he's announced to show up at some point as Kylo Ren, which is interesting.
0: I think they have to. That is such a major win to helping flesh out this part of the saga. I mean, people are still still very, very confused about the timeline in which things form for the sequel trilogy, like did the First Order, how long has it been around? And, and then when books start coming out, it seems like it's literally just months, and it'll be interesting to see... Just what status Kylo Ren has for the entire galaxy.
2: We didn't see Captain Phasma at all in these first two episodes, and we really don't know anything about the the Crimson Stormtrooper guy. We have no idea. Mm-hmm. I should also—I yeah. I just ignored a huge thing. I just realized that here one of the most surprising parts about this whole series—and I suppose not surprising from a marketing standpoint—again, BB-8 is in this entire show.
0: Yeah. Poe leaves him there. Yep.
2: So hey, it's a show with your favorite droid, kids.
0: <laughs> I mean, in spite of that. It, it wasn't like, oh my God, here's BB-8, put him in front of the camera. Yeah. It was just BB-8's there. And I'm sure I'm sure BB-8 will have BB-8's heroic moments and and take center stage at times, but this premiere was not about, oh my God, BB-8 is in this show.
2: Case in point, I forgot that BB-8 was in this show until just now. Yep. I'm a lot more interested in Bucket, <laughs> the astromech yes. droid made out of spare parts, who a part of me wants to be like Chopper. <laughs> But yeah, somehow like horrifically mangled and reassembled, (laughs) (laughs) which is sad because he's not with his family. But I mean, at the same time, I love Chopper. I want to see more Chopper. But this droid has a Chopper-esque attitude. I feel like there's some credibility here. So you heard it here first, if that's the case. Mm -hmm. Another guest that's coming in is Elijah Wood is going to be playing a racer named Jace Rucklin. Don't know anything about Jace yet, but Hmm, look forward to that. Elijah Wood's great in everything. Absolutely everything. I can't think of a bad thing. It probably exists, but it's not coming to me. And then there is the presence of General Leia Organa. She's in the first episode and doesn't say anything, which is good because there's been, in the very brief window between when we got this screener, uh, some real drama behind the voice actor for Leia. A woman named Rachel Batera, she mocked the voice of Dr. Christine Ford amidst the uh, Kavanaugh hearings <laughs> and got into uh, a huge, huge mess and ended up uh, deleting her Twitter account as a result. And uh, lots of fans are calling for her unlaylike like behavior to get her fired. So, good thing she didn't say any words in this episode. Otherwise, um, this decision might be more difficult. I don't want anybody to lose their jobs per se, but this actor has made themselves in a position where. They're not representative, per se, of the strong female lead that Princess Leia... You can't just be Carrie Fisher and not be representative of something larger than yourself. And Mm -hmm. that might legitimately require that voice to be recast ASAP.
0: Yeah, I I agree with all of that. And mostly, in my opinion, because of Carrie Fisher, not necessarily even the strength that Leia Organa has as a character it's just yeah if you're gonna if you're gonna succeed carrie fisher i think you should hold yourself to the kind of social ideals that she had
2: yeah well it was a fun show we could give you some more blow by blows but what's the point basically kaz gets in a race and then uh hijinks ensue we're not gonna tell you how how it uh how it ends up but it's a lot of fun and it's really worth checking
0: out it's interesting. It's something that's just really coming to me now. Going into this, I was like, okay, I'm gonna I put on my critical hat, and I'm really gonna get in there. And I think I have gone over the criticisms that I, I had. You know, things with the animation and how it just kind of jumped into the setup and everything else. But then now talking about it, I realized how much fun I there had. it is. Yeah. And 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 now I'm I'm really like jazzed up for episode three. Me <laughs> it, too. It, I think it it really took just kind of talking it out to see that I. Like, I knew I had fun, but I thought I had fun in spurts until recalling, so I think it's off to a good start.
2: Yeah, a very good start. Now, circling back to what I said at the very beginning, me thinking that uh, the mid-season break is when um, the uh, events of The Force Awakens transpires, here's why I think that. Based on the nature of how these kinds of shows typically pace themselves, and that is that there's usually huge gaps of time in between episodes, so... I feel like if you looked at the timeline that an average season of Rebels takes place over, it's not going week to week. They'll be like, if you put them all on a timeline, every episode's happening like a month apart from the last one or a couple weeks. Right. So I don't know how many episodes were ordered, but if you take a 12-episode season, you cut it in half, there's no reason that it wouldn't be very close to six months by the time that uh, you get halfway through it or even at the end of the first season. Either way, at some point in this, these events are going to align very quickly.
0: Yeah, they, they must. Because, I mean, even Rebels is five years out, and by the end, like, we're we're coming up on Rogue One. You know, we got a lot of stuff in the last season hinting towards Rogue One about to occur. So, yeah, six months seems very, um, you know, there's no way they could drag this on probably more than one season.
2: Right. And at that point, it's going to have a big paradigm shift just like Rebels did and continue to do throughout the series. Because think about what's going to happen. Unless they decide to, to to fudge it a little bit, Kaz's dad is a senator. He's going to die. And all of a sudden, his stake in the resistance is a hundredfold.
0: Interesting. And here I was, I, uh, I was just thinking about, uh, you know, are the other racers, how steeped into the resistance could they possibly get? Or is this, are they just for this season? And then, you know, the story moves from there. Maybe, you know, one or two, like, especially Team Fireball, you know, continues on. But... Yeah, Kaz Yeah, didn't even put together that Kaz is going to undergo some some obvious tragedy pretty soon, (laughs) six months from now.
2: And and the aces were described in the preview video for them as reluctant resistance members, and we don't really even know what that means right now. Right. So there's a lot of reason to believe that maybe we're going to be witnessing the assemblage of another squadron operating for the resistance in another section of the galaxy. Whereas, you know, Black Squadron is the one in the orbit of Leia and the core Resistance members, there must be another one out there. Granted, that's problematic because none of this ever came up in the Poe Dameron comic that precedes the events of The Force Awakens quite a bit, which Mm BB-8 is in a bunch. I'm sure there's a way to make this fit in, but it's going to be difficult. And those comics are so very good, they deserve all the respect and need to be considered if they're truly, you know, going to make the unified canon that they claimed they were going to. hmm Actually, quick update. According to Matt Martin, the creative executive of Lucasfilm Story Group, the sequence of events is this. Poe Dameron, issues one through twenty-five, then Resistance Episode 1, which will be then followed by The Force Awakens. At some point. I am betting heavily on Sebulba. He always wins <laughs> Ah! the fact that this story exists means that we're going to get definitive answers in theory on the first order the nature of the first order where they come from at least something something more something to maybe even give the stakes in episode nine a little bit more of a push because we genuinely know so very little about the state of things in episode seven and eight
0: yeah even the the little expanded material we've been given everything's very vague you know, because the precedence for what they need to do in 7, 8, and 9, they can't possibly, you know, especially with having different filmmakers for each one until obviously J.J. came back. But, you know, they, they have to keep the universe kind of a, a blank slate to serve the filmmakers' purposes.
2: Yeah. How are they going to cope with it? Will we see any real growth in the Star Wars universe? If Rebels is any indication, the answer is yes. And also... Come season two, we're gonna get a bunch of tag backs to Rebels. If the <laughs> see Rebels is any indication in the way they tag back to the Clone Wars.
0: Also, I, I would imagine um some sort of, you know, by then season two, you know, will be coming up on episode nine. So by that point, that trilogy, you know, like I, I would imagine that frees up that that era more for more fleshed out things. So we may see a lot more concrete state of the galaxy building. In season two.
2: Yeah. I also think that we're going to see Batuu pretty soon in this series.
0: I was going to make that prediction as well.
2: It's the location of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, the theme park. They've been seeding it into a lot of content lately. And Mm. correct me if I'm wrong, but this planet is basically in the same region of space. Yes. So...
0: I mean, it's funny because it's a very large region of space. So it doesn't necessarily mean anything. But I do think that there's a reason why this takes place in that particular you know, part of the galaxy. I also think that we may see the Rogue One, so to speak, of Episode 7 within Resistance. And, and what I mean by that is I think Kaz and his team will be responsible for delivering information about Starkiller base to the resistance because in in Force Awakens they know about it they know what it is it's not like oh we need you know we have to get the plans they know a lot about Star Killer base when we have our briefing in Force Awakens and I think it's because of Kaz. Kaz will deliver all that information to them.
2: I think that's 100% legit.
0: It seems at least at the beginning of this show in, in Star Wars Resistance that like there's still very little known about the First Order as far as their capabilities and where they are and who they are necessarily. And so I think we'll get a lot of that in this show.
2: Yeah. And gosh, I'm so looking forward to it.
1: Planning for your next trip, elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. Right at home.
2: Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hopefully, all you fine folks out there are looking forward to watching along or listening along with us. And we're going to be doing, as I said, an episode for each and every episode of Star Wars Resistance this season. If uh, you like what we do, please do consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. You can rate and review specific episodes there. This is a Consequence Podcast Network program. However, we are produced in-house at the Nerdy Show Network Studios. Please do consider supporting them at uh, patreon.com slash nerdyshow or nerdyshow.com slash support. You can also shop via our Amazon links, maybe even pick up uh, a la carte episodes of the show through Amazon, if that's something you're into. All of it goes into helping support the uh, amazing folks and equipment that continue to make this series possible. Also, we will be picking up regular State of the Empire programming very soon. However, it would behoove us to mention one important thing. Matt, are you ready for Willow Watch?
0: Oh, I'm so ready.
2: Willow. (laughs) Ha ha. Okay, so Willow Watch, if this is your first time tuning in, is a segment where we discuss the latest happenings in the world of the George Lucas, Ron Howard, Bob Dolman 1988 fantasy film epic, Willow. It's great. You should watch it if you haven't. Now, we've done a lot of historical digging into the series, and we do a lot of monitoring on the possible forthcoming Willow sequel that seriously, it's it's very likely. We have even new other details to share about that in the next episode. But in the short term, you should know that there is a Willow screening in a movie film theater in Santa Monica, California on October 21st. And it's not just a screening. It's not just an opportunity to see a fantastic film on the big screen. It's also a Q&A with Ron Howard and Bob Dolman, the screenwriter, and Matt and I will be in attendance. So if you want to make a State of the Empire pilgrimage, if you want to see Willow as it's meant to be seen, a small man in a gigantic world on a gigantic screen, then you should definitely check out this event. We will link to where you can get tickets on this episode's page, as well as more information. And that's not all. It, hey, East Coast folks, I'm working on something, okay? We've been talking about having a Willow 30th anniversary uh, celebration all year. I'm still working on something, and I'm pretty damn sure it's going to happen. So keep your calendars open for November and consider a trip to North Carolina. I will say things with certainty as soon as I'm able. There's a real good chance that we're going to have a decent little Willow show of our own on the East Coast. Anyway, thus ends Willow Watch. And thus ends State of the Empire. We'll see you soon with an all-new episode of State of the Empire, and we'll see you soon with an all-new episode of Star Wars Resistance coverage. State of the Empire is a production of the Consequence Podcast Network. Check out our expanding roster of music, film, and television podcast programming at consequenceofsound.net. This show is recorded and produced in Orlando, Florida at Nerdy Show Studios, home of the Nerdy Show Network, geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. Discover more at nerdyshow.com. Special thanks to our and pals in the Star Wars Spoilers Facebook group and the Nerdy Show Network Patreon backers. Consequence Podcast Network.
1: Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable.